Parent Show, sponsored by Raiden Solicitors, award-winning specialist family lawyers. See RaidenSolicitors.co.uk. Hello and welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia L. Corey. And good evening, everybody. I am, as always, Seema Barker. <laughs> you haven't changed since we last spoke to you, Seema. I haven't. No, the change will come. Oh, there, I, don't, I don't know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> <laughs> That's another show. That's another oh, show. But actually, I am really excited about tonight's show because... We are reacting to the news and the news is that 12 to 15 year olds have been invited to get their COVID-19 vaccinations. So, I mean, Seema, you and I were really interested in hearing what do young people think about this? You know, are they rushing to get it? Has Have their ideas been distorted by disinformation and fake news on social media? You know, where where are their heads at? And that's why we put this show together this week. Yeah, it's a twist and a turn, isn't it, in the whole COVID scenario. We've been talking about COVID. It's funny when you said that, you know, the news, but actually, of course, we've just been talking about COVID incessantly for so long. It's become so much of a part of our lives. But actually, this is new, isn't it? This idea that, ah, now what we want to be doing is finding out how do our teens respond to this invitation that they're all having and actually the schools are in Hertfordshire. My understanding is they are sending out letters. They have been pretty quick at setting up dates for when these 12 to 15 year olds can come in and have their vaccine. And so it is upon us as parents to be thinking about having the discussions with our teens, finding out what they think. And then I suppose there's also that, Lydia, that that awful scenario where perhaps parents and teens disagree over what's the right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. So what we are digging into is what the teens themselves think. And we we selected three young people from three different schools in the Harpenden St. Albans area to get their opinions and to come and talk to us on the show tonight. So in a little bit, we're going to be talking to Finn, who is at Verulam School in in St. Albans, Tara, who's at Beaumont School, and Sarah, who is in St. George's in Harpenden. So really looking forward to getting their thoughts on that. So yeah, as you say, Seema, obviously parents and children should be having conversations all the time to decide what the outcome is for them, vaccination or not to be vaccinated. And we're going to talk to them and and then um, find out how they feel about it, where they're getting their information from. I think it's really interesting to hear from, I think, a part of our society that we haven't heard from yet. They have been here all this time, last couple of years, they've been witnessing everything that's been going on with COVID. They've perhaps seen their parents get in the vaccination or not, but they've definitely been absorbing everything, haven't they? And now it's time to hear from them. What we are talking about, though, also the second part of the show, the idea of social media, that thing that is always in the background when we're talking about young people. And in terms of the vaccination, well, there's a lot of information out there and some of it of course is disinformation 
Exactly, Seema. So we want to first of all hear from the young people where their what their sources are, who they're getting information in and around the vaccine. And then in the second half of the show, what we're going to do is speak to two experts, Geordie from Dare to be Grey and Olivier from Text Gain, who are actively working on the area of hate speech, disinformation on social media across Europe. They're implementing projects to to counter hate speech and disinformation across Europe. So really what we want to ask them as parents is what's going on? How much disinformation is there out there? How worried do we as parents need to be about that? What are the buzzwords? Like if you hear your child saying, for example, that they really like Nicki Minaj and what she has to say, how concerned should we be? How should we be approaching that subject because um, obviously Nicki Minaj has come out recently and said that she's not getting the vaccination and she's obviously she's got a huge following on social media so questions like that I suppose as parents we're we're struggling a little bit to try and decide what the right route is on this obviously we're not talking about keeping our children off social media but understanding what they're being told so we know they're not being lied to I think for me, I'm really interested to hear uh, what Geordie and Olivia are going to share with us because I am self-confessed not somebody that spends any time on social media. But that always means that I am so behind in really understanding the world that my children and, and, and all teens really are living in. And so it's great to hear from people that absolutely have their finger on the pulse of what is going on so that, as you said, we can feel informed when we're having a conversation with our kids um, so that if they're bringing something to us, we feel equipped to use words like conspiracy theory, disinformation, fake news, and actually also take it seriously. I think that's the other thing. In the era of fake news and all of the allegations against the media and everything like that, we perhaps came, and I'm certainly guilty of it, came to a point where we would laugh at these things. But of course, they're more serious than that. Exactly, Seema. And particularly, I mean, you touched on it, conspiracy theories. Like personally, they're they're so bizarre. They're so out there. They're so outlandish. The ones that have come out in the last, you know, year or two during the pandemic. Like you say, it's so easy just to laugh at them. But they are serious and they are influencing. So it'll be really, really interesting to hear straight from the horse's mouth, from Tara, Sarah and Finn about what they're hearing. And then later on in the show from Jordi and Olivier about patterns and, and what they're seeing across Europe. Yeah, so let's uh, get ourselves ready and hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elkouri. And I am Seema Barker, and it is great to be here again after the summer break. I haven't sat back with you, Lydia, having a good old chinwag about all of the things that we want to talk about and share um, in relation to the parent show. I know it's been we've had a lovely summer break, but we're back to um, we're actually straight back into the seat and we're hitting hard topics with our first show. We're, We're getting stuck in straight away. With COVID, it's the the omnipresent thing that we're all dealing with all the time. And this week's show is dealing specifically about the vaccine for 12 to 15 year olds. And we're coming at it from a few different angles. 
the first and most important voice to hear from on this topic is, of course, young people themselves. So we've gathered a group of local people, local young people, to speak to us about their feelings about getting vaccinated this autumn. Yeah, no, it, it's you're right. It, the whole subject of COVID is omnipresent and yet it's moving on, isn't it? So we didn't necessarily know at the beginning of the summer whether children uh, or teens, I should say, uh, would be invited to have vaccinations. But now as parents, we're all faced with this scenario. So what is going to happen? And I think it is really nice that we can hear from some young people. So shall we say that we're delighted to have them on the show because we are. It's always such a good voice, I think, for parents to hear from, you know, the people who are often experiencing this and that we want to know about and be informed by. And let's hear an introduction from them. And it's great because they're three different teens um, and also from different schools in the local area. So why don't we see if we can start with our young man first? Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Finn. I go to Verulam and I'm in year 10. Fantastic. Thanks, Finn. Well, it's great to have you here. And uh, why don't we start with, well, I suppose uh, alphabetically it might be Sarah next. Hi, my name is Sarah. I go to St. George's School and I'm also in year 10. Fantastic. Thank you, Sarah. Brilliant to have you here. And finally, last but certainly not least, why don't we have Tara? Yeah, hi. I am Tara. I go to Beaumont and I am in year 10. Wonderful. Thank you, Tara. And for the for the sake of completeness, I suppose I should say uh, that Tara is my daughter. Right. OK, so why don't we start by really finding out from you guys how you feel about where we are right now, which is it's quite recent that we found out that the vaccine is something that is going to be available to you. And it would be great to know whether you, well, why don't we ask Finn, first of all, have you heard anything about this from your school? Have you had any information from school about this? I haven't had anything directly told to me, but I think my parents have had some information on when I'm give, being given the opportunity to be vaccinated. So I think I've got a date for that currently, but I'm not aware of anything they've told me directly. Right. OK, so that's interesting. So no discussions from from heads of departments or, or teachers or anything. What about you, Sarah? Have you had any information from your school? No, I don't think I have had any information. Obviously, I think my school wants to get out the vaccine. But we haven't been told about a date or when that should happen. Lovely. And Tara? So I know that um, for my school, I'm going to be given the, vac the vaccine on the 14th of October. So next month. Um, and in my form group last week, we had a, discuss a discussion in class about who wants to get the vaccine. That's fantastic. So you've actually been talking about it in school already, Tara? Yeah, so like different people in my class have different views and some people obviously really want to get it because they know people that have been hurt by coronavirus and my teacher was telling us about her opinions because she's been given the vaccine and she knows people that have gotten coronavirus who haven't had the vaccine and, you know, have needed it. Yeah, and how would you, well, I mean... How would you describe the breakdown of your class? Would you say the majority of people want it or don't want to get it? I think the majority of people are are thinking about getting it. Most of the people that I've talked to are almost certain that they want to get it. 
but a couple of people a couple of people in my class only a very small amount but they they really were really um certain that they were not going to get it because they thought that well there's that thing about um the side effects of having it especially with boys in my class and they were talking about how you know the the chance of them getting very ill from coronavirus versus the chance of them getting ill from the side effects of this uh, vaccine interesting and how do you feel personally tara where where do you stand on getting the vaccine or not i definitely want to get the vaccine um i have had coronavirus and i know other people that have and i think if it's being offered i'd be going out of my way to not have it so it's definitely worth having in my opinion great stuff finn i'd love to hear your feelings about it where do you stand I mean, my instinct is to say that, yes, I would like to have it, but I feel, I really feel like it's something that needs to be like sort of looked into more before just making an instant decision because yes, there are like, there can be negative side effects, but it's like three in a million, for example, whereas the cases of COVID seriously affecting people is also very low, but it is higher than the vaccine and the chances of you getting COVID are fairly high still among children even. So I would say my instinct is to say yes, but I would like to look a bit more into it and talk to some more people about it first. Great. So you'd like to look a, li- a little bit more. You'd like more information before you make your final decision. Makes makes a lot of sense, Finn. Sarah, how about you? How do you feel? I definitely like to get the vaccine because I feel like that's the way that we are going to start up our normal lives again or what maybe not completely normal, but as normal as we can be after the pandemic i feel like it's the way it's the way forward i mean we have had new diseases come in in the past century and we have had vaccines roll out for those people so i don't see that there should be a difference for getting covid and wanting the vaccine for it yeah no that's that's that is um interesting that so some of you have made up your mind um, maybe need some more information um, for um, others and and I suppose that that feels like it's a bit of a reflection really of a lot of people different age groups as well you know some people really know where they stand and other people perhaps just feel they are still to get more information before they make up their mind which is which is really interesting one thing I think I'd be really interested to know is how you feel you've been influenced by social media or anything that you've heard from uh, any celebrities that you might follow, whether it's been online or whether you've heard it secondhand from other people um, that, that you're, you're, you're at school with or your friends. I know you're all part of various uh, groups outside of school as well. Finn, why don't I ask you first? Yeah. Is there anybody that has particularly influenced you outside of your family, let's say? I'd say in terms of like important information, I try to avoid social medias in general for that type of thing, just because it's not, it doesn't tend to be the most reliable source and it's more people's opinions than stuff proven by facts. So I go more to like the BBC and stuff when it comes to important information such as vaccination. But I haven't really seen any comments or like anything from celebrities or anything about vaccination for children really I've seen it a lot more for adults but not really for children 
Yeah, no, uh, fair, fair enough. I think that's um, that's a very good head you've got on those shoulders, uh, Finn. <laughs> Not, but I suppose what we do know is there are a, an awful lot of people that are affected uh, and influenced by you know by influencers, of course. Sarah, have you had any um, had any impact from anybody on online that you've perhaps been reading about or following? Well, I haven't been. Well, I don't really follow people who. I'm not, well, I'm not really sure, but I have seen some people on Twitter who have said that they don't want some quite famous influencers who don't want to get the vaccination for their children because they don't want the government telling people what to do, which, I mean, that is obviously their opinion. And, but then also the government has told us what to do and some people do follow those, like, for example, the influencers who don't want to give the vaccine to their children take their children to school and the government has forced that so it's a bit interesting to see what they want the government to force them to do and what they don't want the government to force them to do yeah no i th- i think that that's i think that's a a really interesting point that you know they're making distinctions when it maybe suits them or um yeah perhaps I don't know. Perhaps when it gets them more followers, it, it, you know, is it is it more controversial to say something like that, and then people are going to listen to them? Have you had Sarah? Have you had any chats with anybody at school that might be more likely to be impacted by influencers or anyone else? Well, I know quite a lot of people that go to my school really do enjoy um, getting their facts from influencers who may not have all of the right facts should I say obviously there are quite a lot of people at my school who really do get influenced by those celebrities and that's where their opinions come from they only choose their opinions if their celebrities I don't know for say approve yeah yeah so so actually if if some big celebrities came out or big influencers came out and said we don't think that teens should be having the the vaccine, you think that there will be teens that you know that are probably going to be affected by that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Tara? What What has your has been your um, your opinion on this so far, which is uh, being impacted by people online? Well, I know that there was um, Nicki Minaj came out and said um, her opinion. She was talking about like her friend, her friend's friend. He got the vaccine and then he had to call off his wedding because he apparently he became impotent because they thought of the vaccine. But but and that like because because she's very famous and has many followers, especially on Twitter. And there was a whole protest or something in Trinidad where she's from, where loads of people were saying, oh, we've heard the truth from Nicki Minaj. But. She was really slated for that comment, I think, because I don't think it's real and it's not, it's like there aren't really facts behind it. So, yeah, I think the government weren't very happy with her about saying that. It's it's really heartening to hear how all three of you are thinking so critically about this, that you're not that, you know, you're looking for facts and you're not accepting just the word of influencers. Because I, I think I think that's so heartening. I think as parents, you know, it's it's scary to think that there's somebody like Nicki Minaj who can stand there, use some anecdotal 
kind of incident to try and convince somebody, you know, about something that's very serious when she has such a huge following. She has millions of, of people who follow her. I'd love to ask you where you do get your influence from. Like, who who do you think has shaped how you feel about the vaccine? Obviously, you've you've made up your own minds and you're thinking this through. But I, do can you track it? Do you, do you have an idea where it's coming from? Let's start with you again, Finn. I mean, I would say mainly it would have to be my parents and the BBC because those are the, as I said, for like important information, those are only the two real sources I pay much attention to. There's school a bit, but Verulam haven't really talked about it much. There's no discussion about it yet at all. Um, so yeah, I would say BBC and my parents mainly. Brilliant. How about you, Sarah? Um, well, I would mostly say my dad as he he does a lot of research and listens to podcasts and does enjoy doing quite a lot of factual research on these sort of things. He would go onto lots of websites and kind of see a pattern of where the opinions are coming from. Obviously it's what agrees with his opinion, but um, he would look for things that are kind of similar. And obviously he would go to big websites like the BBC and see what they're saying. I guess that's where most of my opinions come from. And as well, not necessarily my friends as quite a lot of my friends have different opinions when it comes to things like those but definitely teachers at my school they definitely have a big impact as well. So Tara let's jump over to you and tell us what do you think has shaped your your opinion on getting the vaccination and made you think so critically about it? Well I've been having quite a lot of conversations about it because it's quite I think it's quite a big deal at the moment. And in my form time at school, it's been quite a big like conversation that we've been having. So I think my form tutor has influenced what I think. And then just my friends um, in general, we've, we've had quite a lot of conversations. And I think because a lot of them are very sure that they want to get it, that's probably made me more likely to want to get it as well because yeah also I know lots of people that have had the vaccine like my older sister's had it and she's 16 so I think that probably makes me much more comfortable with getting it yeah I can see that that would make a that would make an obvious difference and so if if I suppose teens are in families where their parents have got it they're perhaps more likely to get it as well, I think is what you're saying. Whereas perhaps if teens are in families where the parents or older siblings haven't, then they're going to perhaps be more distrustful. And can I just ask you, um, all of you, in relation to, you've all gone back to school, which is, you know, great, hopefully. Um, it's always great, isn't it, on the first day? And then there's that's like, oh, yeah, school is just school, actually. And you're all in year 10, so it's serious. But does it feel like things are back to normal a little bit? Or does it still feel, yeah, just like we're still in a pandemic? Because um, I don't know whether you've still got certain restrictions at school. Finn, how does it feel at school? Does it feel better? I mean, I would say people are being less cautious, like quite a lot less cautious. And um, there's at Verulam, we've removed almost all restrictions. There's some stuff that COVID from COVID that has like carried on and we're just keeping permanently now just because it's more useful. For example, we've still got a one-way system in place just because it seems to work around the school. 
But in general, restrictions like masks, almost no one wears a mask anymore in school and anything like that. And for example, when the pandemic started, if someone coughed, everyone would turn and look at them and they would all be quite cautious around the person. But now no one seems to care anymore, which is slightly worrying at times. But apart from that, it's sort of just normal again, it feels. And what about you, Sarah? Does it feel normal for you back at your school? Well, there, like Finn said, there have been quite a few changes that are have become the new normal at my school. But um, most things have gone back to normal. Um, some people are wanting to put hand sanitizer on after every lesson, which I think is probably a very precautious but smart idea. Um, no one really wears masks anymore, and obviously, I think that's. The part of the reason for that is because Boris has relaxed some of the isolation rules. So I feel like people don't really see the point in wearing masks or anything like that anymore if they don't actually have to isolate unless they have COVID. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So essentially, yeah, once once the kind of restrictions have gone, then... almost it affects everything else and how people are viewing whether they need to take any precautions what about you Tara have things felt like they've gone back to normal at school or does it still feel a bit odd well I think I think it's inside everyone knows that like the government is still saying that they think people still need to be careful otherwise that we are going to have to go into like another lockdown or like more cautious measures are going to have to be in place. So I think everyone is trying to trying to make the most of the fact that we can kind of do what we like now. And so like, you know, no one wears masks, as they were saying, all we really have now is a one way system. But it's not really like no one really follows it. So in my school, it's pretty much the same as before. And it's more strange to see someone with a mask than to see someone without a mask. Great. Finn, did you want to say something else on that? Uh, Yeah, just one other comment about masks. I feel like as kids, masks purely felt like a burden. Oh, that's what I get from like everyone around me. Everyone says that they hate the masks and the masks are just a burden. But um, I mean, I feel like there's no, there's no information, not enough information towards that has gone towards children about why masks were important because whenever anyone got the opportunity even when it was like the legal restrictions to wear masks whenever people got the opportunity they would take them off and I don't know that just didn't feel right in a way. Can I just jump in with uh, another question before we wrap up because um, we're coming to the end of our interview we were talking about people um, not wanting to be vaccinated and and believing things from influencers that might not necessarily be true. I mean, do you talk about conspiracy theories at school? Do you think they play a role in how children, young people are are approaching the vaccination decision? Is that something that's happening? Are, Are they getting influenced by conspiracy theories? Finn, I'll start with you. I mean, I haven't heard anything about that, really. There's probably a group somewhere talking about it, but I personally haven't heard anything about it. About microchipping, nobody's talking about that kind of thing. That's, that's No, good. I think in the younger generations, things like that are often looked at as being quite 
ridiculous in by most people. That's that's great news. How about how about you, Sarah? What about St. George's? Are conspiracy theories being spread? Well, I'm actually quite the opposite of Finn. I'm always hearing stuff about people saying, oh, yeah, there's definitely a chip. Um, That's obviously not what I think. I don't believe that there is. But quite a lot of people do say that they don't want to get the vaccination because there is obviously the chance the government can track you through it. But obviously the government can track you through most things like your cell phones. So I don't really understand why they put it through a vaccination if they've got everyone tracked with their phones. Yeah. Tara, what about your school? So when we were having our discussion in our form time, this guy said that he thinks the government are trying to control us. And then another boy said that because they're giving us some of coronavirus, they're just trying to solve overpopulation. They're just trying to kill all the kids off, which like, I know it sounds really stupid, but then my form tutor said that her brother actually believes some of these things. And there actually are people out there that believe these conspiracy theories and like actually think that like the government are trying to control us or something, which is kind of crazy. But um, yeah, they definitely are going around in my school. Finn, did you want to say something else? Um, Yeah, just one last thing on the um, microchips thing. The government don't need to give us microchips. Uh, Back to what Sarah said about cell phones. The microchip is in what you carry around all day, every day, in your pocket, in your hand, that you're using constantly. It's the cell phone. And you don't, the government doesn't need to put them into our skin. We just carry them around willingly. And the other thing I find hard to believe about that is like, I think you'd kind of notice if somebody was popping a little chip into your arm, you know, and, and somebody else might be able to spot it happening. But yeah, no, it's so honestly so great to hear your three perspectives and actually quite you're you're all on the same page in relation to the vaccine but having quite different experiences which is which is interesting mm. but the other common thread with you all is that you're thinking you're really thinking this through and you you all sound so well informed to me which is as a parent oh it, give, it gives me great hope I do you feel the same Seema? Yeah absolutely but I mean I think I think it's a it's a good point, which is there are pockets in some of these schools where these there are conversations going on about conspiracy theories or, you know, um, and and equally, I think, as I said before, it's a reflection of society, isn't it? Which is every generation has um, the different views and how they're going to, where they're going to get their information. And we might not have uh, these three young people on tonight talking about Im- being influenced by what they've read online or, or on the socials, um, but they also all know people who will be. So, um, you know, it's it's good that you guys talk more. I suppose the more you talk in school, the more people are going to hear these kind of things in relation to microchips, for example. You can make that very valid point, Finn, which is, well, yeah, so you're carrying a microchip around with you all the time, aren't you? Which would probably be a good thing. Great. So listen, we're going to wrap it up for this show, but we'd love to hear back from you in, in future shows um, how the whole vaccination debate is is going in, in our local schools. So Finn, Tara, Sarah, thanks a million for joining us on The Parent Show. Great to talk to you all and hopefully talk to you in a few months again. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you very much for having Bye. me. Bye. 
Hello and a warm welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elkouri. And I am Seema Barker and we are discussing... The vaccine tonight, aren't we, Lydia? That's right, yeah. And we're kind of coming at it from two different angles. So on the one hand, we're talking to the young people who've just been given the green light to get the vaccination. So 12 to 15 year olds and hearing what they have to say about it. And then really importantly, we want to zone in on a lot of basically fake news, disinformation, lies that are being spread about the vaccination and and I suppose mainly on social media, eh, Seema? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And it's complicated because, of course, you know, as adults and I've spoken to, consider myself fairly well informed, but I talk to, you know, my social circle and there is a lot of information out there and there's a lot of confusion out there. So it's a really, I think it's a it's a, a space where disinformation, I think, can easily spread. Um, so it will be good to talk to some experts on exactly this subject. Well, that's a perfect segue into our first two guests this evening. So we're joined by Olivier and Jordi. I'm not going to pronounce either of your surnames because they're too difficult. And I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. Jordi, you go first. Tell us a bit about yourself. Sure thing. And thanks for having me. Um, my name is Jordi Nijnhuis. I'm based in the Netherlands. I'm a social media campaigner, trainer, and consultant. Um, and well, that basically means that I live on social media. Um, and on social media, I mainly focus on radicalization, disinformation, and polarization. Um, so yeah, all the nice uh, juicy topics. Fantastic. Olivier, tell us a bit about yourself. Hey. Good evening, everybody, and, and thank you for having us. Um, my name is Olivier Kauberichs, and I'm from Belgium. Um, and I work for a company called TextGain, and we are specialized in detecting hate speech and uh, disinformation on social media by using artificial intelligence. So you're both working in and around social media and disinformation. Like, as parents, this is... It is a massive concern. Like, what are our children hearing on social media? What what lies are they being fed? Um, so I'd love to hear from you, Jordi. Like, what kind of anti-vaccination stories or kind of myths are being are you hearing and seeing on social media at the moment? Oof. To be honest, loads. Um, everything you can imagine and worse. Especially since since the, the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, the situation on social media pretty much got out of hand. People were in lockdown, working from home, and the only things we had to do was to flock to social media, right? So social media usage has been up, and people were looking for answers. Um, people were anxious, people were feeling emotional, a bit scared maybe, or concerned and worried about the situation. That's not a good mix. Um, on social media, it's it's an it's not a moderated space. You can say anything you want to say within limitations, of course. When it's pure hate, it tends to be removed. But social media is is a place where you just can go and say whatever you like to say. So coming back to to anti-vax stories, it's it's everything. It's uh, these conspiracy theories that it's all planned, that it's uh, a planned pandemic. In other words, the pandemic. That's a a big topic. Um, governments are involved. Um, the Illuminati, of course, is involved. Uh, microchips are being added to the vaccine, etc., etc. It's 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 everything you can imagine. Olivier, how about you? What are you seeing on social media? What kind of 
crazy stories are there out there about the vaccination? It's like Jordi says that you have a lot of different stories and, and that is one of the biggest problems. You see stories about um, blaming uh, mainstream social uh, mis- mainstream media for it, um, for spreading fake news. You see even theories that government workers or, or the world leaders are reptilians. You see that Bill Gates is involved. You see them blaming uh, the Jews or, or other um, minorities. So, um, yeah, one of the biggest problems is that for every... Um, Uh, thing that you wanna that you wanna see, you you have a different um, narrative that speaks to your imagination. Yeah, and and that's actually I have to say that was new to me. The word pandemic is new. That that's uh, on it, you know, in itself is is interesting. But also, I didn't realize that there had been this had been funneled into race hate, so that the, 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 you know Jewish people are being blamed for this, which is incredibly frightening. Um, is that quite prolific? Then is there a lot of that? Would you say, or is it more directed towards governments? Olivier, can you take that question? Uh, I, I think we see both towards governments and towards minorities. Uh, but I also want to add that a lot of conspiracies that we've seen in the past, or actually a lot of conspiracies in general, they go back to the Middle Ages. Even there, there were conspiracies in small villages where they blamed the Jews of, of, of putting poison in the well. And that uh, was the reason why a, a certain disease spread in the village. Um, so it's not something new. So this is something that keeps coming back, uh, blaming minorities. And then now we see more and more that they are also blaming, uh, like you mentioned with the pa- uh, pandemic, that this uh, whole pandemic is, uh, is, is planned by the government, that they have a, a different motivation for um, convincing people to vaccinate. And what are we seeing? What can you tell our parents about what's happening on particular platforms? Jordi, let me ask you that one. Sure. So there are as many platforms on, uh, online as there are narratives in a way. So, of course, we all know that the big ones, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, those tend to be slightly better moderated than the more niche platforms. So when I think about um, the places where cons- conspiracy theories really thrive, I would look for um, unmoderated message boards like 4chan, 8kun. The, the, the mission statements of those platforms are actually that they don't want to moderate. So moderation is not a priority for them. So those places can be pretty dark. Of course, there's also a lot of cool and interesting stuff happening on those platforms. So we should not delete it or ban people from going there. But um, there are some dark places over there. After after the 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 election in 2016 in the US with a lot of Russian disinformation, we see that, that, that there's a lot of attention on the bigger platforms like Facebook and they try to moderate things, but it, it's still lacking. Um, I, I, I don't think I'll be able to, to give, it, give you a list of what platform is the best, but we see that there's more attention to the bigger platforms and those tend to be slightly better moderated. Yeah, I think we cannot say that there is a worst one or a best one. Um, you see them every platform. It is just the the way it's presented to the social media user is different. On YouTube, you see a video. On Twitter, it's a short text. On Instagram, it's mainly photos. Um, so you can find this um, disinformation on, on any social media platform. Um, but I also want to add that over the last few years, 
these platforms like YouTube have taken uh, some measures to ban disinformation, to detect it and to ban it from their platform and also try to, uh, to uh, um, adjust their algorithm to avoid it uh, to spread further. So when we're talking about social media platforms, so we know there's some crazy conspiracy theories out there, a lot of misinformation. Is there any, are there any positives? Are, are you know, can they be used to actually inform our children or help them understand the vaccination process in, in a positive way, in a constructive way? Jordi? Of, of course. Um, we saw actually that, that right at the beginning of the pandemic that quality journalism and um, people looking for reliable mainstream me- uh, media sources increased. So people were actually looking for quality information when the pandemic struck. And of course, social media was a, was a good way to deliver that information to the people who needed it. I think it's also human nature, right? We tend to focus on the worst things that we see. Um, social media definitely can be a place for quality information, for constructive information. On the other hand, those comment sections that you find below the quality information, I would suggest to ignore those. A lot of people are actively trying to manipulate um, those debates, and they do that by flocking to social media and um, sharing their voice in comment sections. So a lot of internet trolls, people who want to bully and attack we can, we can find those people in the comment sections. And of course, that, that takes away from the quality information. Olivier. Yeah, I, I think we should definitely use social media um, just the way that extremists use it. We shouldn't push uh, propaganda and then force people to go vaccinate, but we should use it to uh, inform people to vaccinate and to counter uh, anti-vaccination propaganda. There are a lot of good influencers Uh, On social media, uh, for example, Abby Richards is great at it. She explains every every process and she also very clearly explains how anti-vaccination propaganda works. So to prevent uh, fake news from spreading, we need to invest in influencers on one hand, but also the government should invest in um, how to be more transparent and and, um, explain the process much better. And, and what are the dangers of some of these anti-vax narratives that you do, do, do either of you see in your work, you know, how the spread of this information, this disinformation is affecting belief in, in the vaccine? Uh, Geordie, let me start with you. So, so, oh, yeah, definitely. There's, there's a big risk linked to these anti-vax narratives, of course. The biggest risk I would say right now is that it's, uh, it's becoming a health issue. People are not likely to be vaccinated and therefore we can't get rid of the virus. It's as simple as that. But there, there are even worse consequences. Like people are looking to these crazy narratives and getting so involved that there's always the risk of radicalization, right? So we've heard from those QAnon supporters, the big anti yeah. pretty much everything conspiracy um, originated in the United States, yeah. that people have become violent based on that ideology. Right. So it's both things. I would say that the biggest risk right now, of course, is that people are not getting the vaccine. But it's also it's it's a violent, it's a hateful narrative and even ideology that could lead to radicalization. And can I just extend? Sorry, I was just going to extend that question to Olivia and just ask, is the way to deal with that then 
the is it more to try to get the positive voices on social media to try to outweigh the negative ones is is that one of the more important ways to do that do we need to hear more from the positive narratives yes we definitely need to hear more of them but i think it's also very important that everybody is exposed to a range of opinions so people can make up their opinion themselves. I mean, we do not need to force an opinion. I still believe that if we give people enough information and build more trust in the communities, that they will go for the uh, vaccine. I think the main problem that we have in uh, at this moment is that people make decisions, very important decisions, based on wrong information. It is not a problem that you are hesitant to get a vaccine. We live in very peculiar times. It goes very fast. But I'm, I'm fairly convinced that if, we, if, if, if there is a very transparent way of communication from the government and a very open communication, that people will trust the government more and will go for the vaccine. So it becomes only a problem if a large group of people believe in this anti-vaccination propaganda. For example, in Brussels, only 50 or 54% of people between 18 and 44 years um, have gotten the vaccine compared to Flanders, where it's about 80%. And a journalist discovered that they didn't get a vaccination based on anti-Semitic conspiracies that uh, are sent around by WhatsApp, by Facebook, by Twitter. And people do not believe the narrative of the government anymore or from yeah, from um, reliable sources, but they start to believe that Bill Gates is in, involved in this, that it, it, it will poison us, uh, people will die from it. And I think that's the biggest problem, that we do not make our decisions based on, on, on information, but on, on disinformation, on fake news, basically. Actually, that's such an important point, Olivier, isn't it? Because if there is disinformation out there, how do we equip our children to be able to tell what's real and what's not? And, you know, speaking to three young young local people from the St. Albans and Harpenden area earlier, we heard how they are thinking critically. They are deciding on what sources they can trust or not, which is which is such a relief as a parent to hear that they're that they are using their critical thinking and media literacy skills to try and find out the truth. But obviously, not every not every child knows how to do that and and learns how to do that. But it it is such an important thing for us for us to teach our children and for our schools to be teaching children. But um, I wanted to. Uh, I, I was talking to my twelve year old last week, and and he actually was mentioning in passing how he went down a rabbit hole during lockdown. I w- and I was like, how does my 12-year-old know what a rabbit hole is? So what is a rabbit hole for parents who don't know? And, and what does it mean, Olivier? Yeah, the rabbit hole is, um, is something from the internet. Actually, it comes from, um, from the story... Um, it's, it's Alice in Wonderland, isn't Alice it? Alice in Wonderland, yeah. thank you very much. I'm so sorry. Um, it comes from Alice in Wonderland. And um, it is something that they say on the internet to describe the process of when you're, for example, on YouTube and you look for a video on COVID or any other subject. In the old days, when you clicked on one video, you got in your suggestion list, uh, or maybe, you sh- maybe you're interested in this video. 
And if you kept clicking and clicking and clicking with five clicks or less, you got, for example, a, a video suggesting that the Queen of England is actually a reptile dressed up as a human. So that is the rabbit hole. It's not that you look for this type of, inf of information, but because of the suggestions that the algorithms on social media give you, you go to a more and more extreme uh, video. But it doesn't always have to be something negative. It can also be with uh, any other subject that, um, that it drags you to a completely different uh, topic. Jordi. Yeah, and I, I think this is this is kind of key these days. You know, algorithms they they play such a big role in how we consume media, how we get our information. For example, when you're when you're looking for a nice pair of shoes online, the next day your timeline is filled with advertisements about these shoes. Right? They want to sell you these shoes, and these algorithms work in the same way when it comes to information. So when you look for dodgy or false information and you consume that information, the algorithm will know, will pick on, up on that and see that you're engaging with that, 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 that stuff. And therefore, it will recommend similar articles or similar videos or similar images next time. These, these platforms are built to be addictive. They want to promote content that you're likely to engage with. So that's, that's extremely dangerous. When you click on false information, you get sucked down in that rabbit hole. And all of a sudden, your entire timeline is filled with just one story, the story that the queen is a reptile, apparently. So that's uh, and that's that's quite that's quite scary for some parents to hear because of course they're not there looking over the shoulder of their children all the time and perhaps for some adults you would think right quite quickly we can see where this is taking us which is becoming more and more extreme and I suppose we're coming to the end of our interview now which is a terrible shame and and, and I wish we had longer to talk to you both but I would ask you for your final thoughts on what would you recommend then how can a parent talk to their child about trying to stop that from happening, from, from this algorithm essentially almost intervening in what they are seeing, reading or online and taking them down this rabbit hole without them really realizing what's the best thing, the one thing that you would each recommend that a parent could perhaps say or do to their child. So I'll start with you, Olivier. For me, the most important is not to tell children what they need to believe. I think it's more important to create awareness that there is fake news and maybe teach them some um, internet um, literacy that we that they need to know where there are more dangerous social media and if they see fake news that they need to talk about it and not just uh, immediately send it to their friends. Yeah, that's that's a brilliant piece of advice uh, which I'll be using myself. And Jordi. Um, I, I, I totally agree with Olivier that awareness is key. Next to that, I would say that it's good and healthy to have a variety of perspectives on your timelines. So don't only follow the news outlets you're likely to agree with. Try to look for different opinions, uh, different news sources. Maybe you get a bit upset based on that differently colored information, but it's good and healthy to see different opinions because we tend to look in our own bubbles um, it's nice to break those bubbles uh, from time to time. Fantastic. So, Jordi, Olivier, thanks so much for joining us on the Parents Show this evening and giving your insights. It's great to hear you're you're on the case. You know what's going on, and uh, hopefully, we can uh, keep our kids on track by stopping them going down rabbit holes. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much.